Well, hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Ryan Clayton Podcast. It's January 21st. We are cruising through January already. Uh, can't believe it. Uh, right now outside, there is about half a foot of snow, and the drifts are several feet tall. And um, man, it's cold out there. I just did a run this morning, and it was zero degrees, wind chill of negative 13. Went out there, got five miles. And was basically like trying not to uh, die slipping on ice. It was very treacherous out there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just wanted to do another solo update and uh, just kind of let you guys know what's going on. Uh, I've done a, had a few things happening, uh, made a few changes uh, in my life and go over a few of those. Uh, Not huge, just like kind of like, athletic, uh, nutrition related. Um, so I go over a few of those little things and then there's been a couple controversies going on about races that I was at last year, run rabbit run and Leadville have had some recent controversies and it's not been too cool. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of give you guys my take on it. Uh, I've got a question or two about what I think. And so just kind of go into a little depth and, not going to get political with any of these. So if you're hoping for that, that's not going to happen. Um, but I'll just kind of explain from my perspective, what's going on and my thoughts a little bit surrounding those. Just a summary of what's been going on recently, the last couple of weeks. So with that, let's get started. So first up, I just wanted to talk about the most recent video I posted on YouTube about uh, the blizzard and the snowstorm and all that. And it was kind of a different type of video than I'd ever put on YouTube. It was a video where instead of, uh, so it's kind of like a vlog style running video, but instead of focusing on just like one day and one run and just kind of giving you guys uh, kind of the story of like a, a long Saturday run to the trails or something. I tried filming throughout the week and um, just took my GoPro out on a couple of road runs that I had and then just some random stuff kind of in between. And I really didn't like the video when I put it together. Like I was editing it and I just wasn't, there wasn't like a story that flowed. There was no narrative. It was just it just seemed like a bunch of random clips that I was just trying to force together into a video. So I went out and I did another, I just basically, I I finished the video, put music to it, edited it, everything, and then just scrapped it. Um, And I was like, I'm, I uploaded it to YouTube and I watched it back one time while I was still like in private mode. uh, So no one else could see it. And I just didn't like it. So I, deleted it off YouTube and I just moved on and I said, you know what, I'm just, it sucks, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just post something for the sake of posting it if I don't like it. Uh, so then the next Saturday or whatever day it was, uh, I went out and I took my GoPro out and I tried to, you know, do a normal type video that I normally do that you guys are used to. And came back, edited it, put it together. And I didn't like that one either. I was just like, this is like, what's going on? Like, what, like, did something change? Like, am I just like going crazy? And 
I was just like, you know what? I think I can pair both of these videos down. So I had the idea. I was like, you know what? Maybe I could pair both of these videos down to about half the size that they, half the length that they were. Smash them together and see what that looks like. Uh, and basically tell the story of a week's worth of running. Or at least, you know, a couple a couple different nights, days where I took my GoPro out. And so I put it together, and as I'm editing it, I'm like, well, this is kind of interesting. Um, maybe this will work. And I finished it, put the music to it again, and um, posted it to YouTube. Well, I uploaded it to YouTube, didn't post it, and left it private for a couple hours, came back, watched it again. And I was like, eh, it's okay. And I was like... <laughs> I really, I'm just going to post this like, because it, it, it barely met my threshold for how I felt when I watched it back. And, um, I think I was just like too connected to it. Like it was just, none of it seemed new. It just seemed like, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't love it, but I posted it. I said, you know what? I'm okay. out at this, at this stage in the edit, I'm okay with it. So I posted it and then put in, uh, I left in a little clip of me saying, I'm not really sure what I think about this format. And I put in the description of the video, Hey, this is a new format. Uh, you know, if you like it, let me know. If not, uh, don't hate me. Just wait for the next video basically. And, uh, you know, just kind of left it at that and went and did some other stuff. And within like 24 hours, it had, a lot of views and a lot of comments about uh, people telling me that they liked it and that they thought the new format was awesome. And if you go through like now, there's like almost 100 comments on the video and it's almost all about people saying that the new format is great. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that would happen. Like I would come to the end of a video and say, nah, I don't really like this and post it and then get a whole lot of positive uh, feedback back. So <laughs> that was a uh, pretty interesting, like a very, like, like, a, just like this crazy experiment that I feel happened. Um, you know, almost like where, where you stumble into something that just works right. And you're not really sure of it, but then you do it anyway. And you get a lot of really good feedback. Um, I kind of just feel like it was almost like a last ditch effort to get this, get this footage out there and make a video and, I don't know. I guess people liked it. Um, yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. Just I thought it was a little interesting story about, and I think the lesson that you can learn from that, that I definitely learned from it, is that there's a lot of things where I'm just way too connected to, uh, to really give it a good, um, like, honest, I don't know, uh, decide what I think about it. Um I think there's a lot of things like that in life where especially if you're creating something, you just need someone else to watch it maybe or get uh, sometimes just put it out there uh, to not overthink things. Uh, that's another big thing that um, I've kind of been learning about social media and uh, you know Twitter and Instagram and YouTube is just to sometimes there's a time and a place for things that are very well thought out and ideas that you sit on for a long time and really put a lot of work into. And, um, 
but then there's a time and a place for other things that you just kind of pump out and just put out there, even though they're not quite done, not quite perfect. Sometimes that's just a good thing to do, uh, that, you know, and just to get work out there, um, and to stop overthinking it and just go through the process. And, you know, you might have a picture or two that you're like, oh, that looks, those look good, but I don't know if they look good on my Instagram grid. Uh, just post them anyway. And just, and then just walk away from it. And I think the act of just going through that and not like lowering your standards or, um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just like putting up crap, but posting just more regularly and more often and, um, just having a more open mind about what's okay and not being such a perfectionist. And I'm just learning a lot about that, I guess, recently. And this was just a perfect example of it to where I had, you know, hours worth of work in this video and I was really close to just deleting it again. Uh, the second one I posted, I was just, I almost deleted it again because I was like, this is, this is not, like what I pictured this video looking like. It's not, I'm not happy with it. But anyway, um, lesson learned when you're going through the process, just sometimes just post it, just put it up there, just make it public, just put it out there. You know, so if you're somebody that just is going to post things on the internet, uh, you, you just need to be okay with, um, receiving some negative feedback every once in a while. And it's, it, you know, it's really, really hard not to focus on that. And I have a really hard time doing that as well. But it's just something like if you want to put your stuff out there and you want to be creative and you want to show the world your work, um, sometimes you just have to post stuff that's not perfect that you don't think is um, completely done because you have to keep moving on. You have to keep moving forward. So at least now, at least with most people, uh, where most people are with Instagram. That doesn't go for everyone, like, um, but that's what I've been learning. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Uh, I've got a couple things I want to talk about that are like changes that I've made, um, like diet-related, nutrition, athletic. It has to do with athletics as well because that's why I'm making these changes. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm pretty much plant-based, Um and, uh, but one thing that I have ate a lot of that's not good for me, uh, is salt. And I think ever since I was a kid, I can just remember putting salt on things at dinner, things at lunch, you know, like, um, even if something was already kind of salty, I would add a little bit of salt just cause I love the taste of salt. And I've always, you know, as I've been in endurance sports for the most part, it doesn't matter that much because you just sweat it all out. Uh, but especially in the winter, uh, when you're not sweating as much, and then even in the summer, it's just not great to be eating a ton of salt. Uh, so it's something that I've known for months that I wanted to uh, change. I wanted to, I wanted to decrease the amount of salt in my diet. <laughs> and uh, so recently, a couple weeks ago, I just decided to. I decided to stop adding salt to anything. Uh, I was just gonna, you know, I just said, let's try it for a couple days. I'm just going to eat this food, how it's been prepared already. Uh, and 
so I've been trying that and it's now been, I think like maybe three weeks, three or four weeks. And I haven't physically added salt, like with a salt shaker (laughs) to any food. Um, that's not to say that the food I'm eating doesn't have salt added in it already. If it was prepared by, uh, whatever a restaurant or by my wife or whatever, by myself as we're cooking. Um, but I'm not adding salt, uh, to something that's already on my plate. And that's been a pretty hard thing. Uh, something that, uh, I, you know, I've, it's, I've known for years that I needed to decrease the amount of salt in my diet, but I have never really taken action on it. And yeah, it's changed how I look at food a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I used to just, I used to just add salt to everything. And I, you know, now that I'm not adding salt to things, um, it, you know, you taste things a little bit better. You appreciate things for what they are. Um, I don't know. I can't really tell, uh, that I feel any different. I haven't like lost five pounds or anything. So it's not like I was eating, you know, a cup of salt a day. Like it was just like, I would just add it to stuff at during my meal. Um, I'm not a salt addict. I don't think, (laughs) uh, but yeah, it's just been really interesting, um, experiencing, that and just and this is sounds so weird as I'm saying this oh my gosh but just eating food as it is and not feeling like I need to add salt or and I don't I'm not adding like pepper or any other type of spike spices or anything like Italian seasoning I used to add that to a lot of stuff um uh, just different seasonings I'm just I just you know what just for a little bit I'm gonna eat the food the way it is and not change it um so that's been that's been really interesting I didn't see a problem that I was addressing. I didn't uh, think that all of a sudden I was going to be able to uh, run a lot better or it wasn't, there wasn't a specific thing I was going for. I just knew that I was probably eating too much. So the other thing I changed, and this is a lot more uh, drastic, I think, but uh, it has to do with fasting. And this came from a long time ago. I listened to a podcast uh, one of Ritual's podcasts, he had Walter Longo on. And this guy is a PhD. He wrote a book called The Longevity Diet. And he researches um, basically what happens when people fast. And he's trying to rid disease. He's trying to make people healthier, help people lose weight. Um, but it was always just like, it was always fascinating. Uh, I read the book and got some good ideas from it. His whole thing is that you should fast for, um, I believe it's five days and, uh, you should do this like once a year, maybe twice a year. If you really are having good results from it and you're okay with it, maybe like four times a year, something like that, like once a quarter. Um, but fasting for five days, water only. And, his thing, his protocol, the the package that he sells, which is kind of weird that he sells a product too, uh, on, if I'm being honest, but, uh, he sells this product where it's like, you can buy these bars from him and, uh, 
eat one or two a day or something. And so you're getting like maybe like 100 to 200, 300 calories a day over those five days. Um, and they're very specific, he says, uh, very specific minerals and vitamins uh, that, you're, that you really need to be getting during this time. You know, I thought that was all interesting. And I thought for maybe a couple months, maybe I would try that once. Uh, and I started doing some more reading on fasting and specifically... Uh, one thing that stood out was this type of fasting that people do for a long time and have really good results with health, uh, sleeping better, feeling better throughout the day, um, being able to control weight better, uh, lose weight if you need to. Uh, it's called the 16-8 fasting plan or protocol or whatever. Uh, basically what it is is you are fasting for 16 hours and then you eat for eight hours every day. And it sounds really simple, and it kind of is. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's really nothing else that goes into it. You just don't eat anything for 16 hours, and then during the other eight hours of the day, eat whatever you want. Um, try to control it so that you're not eating 5,000 calories during those eight hours, but, you know kind of, there's no, there's no, you don't have to eat specifically, uh, this much protein, carbs, fats. Like it's just eat what you want. And during the other 16 hours, don't eat anything. And so you can count sleeping. Uh, so what a lot of people do is they will eat from noon to 8 PM and then they'll fast from 8 PM to noon. So I've been trying that and I've actually done it for, it's, like I said, it's been about three weeks now. Uh, and it's been really, really fascinating. Like the first couple days, it was like bad. Like I, through the morning, it was just like super hungry. And then at night, just super hungry. Uh, but then over the last couple of weeks, like it's just changed. And now in the mornings, uh, my routine is I just wake up and I drink coffee uh, and then wait until lunch to eat. And it's been really not that hard, honestly. Um, again, like it's only been three weeks, so I haven't really seen a lot of uh, like documentable results, but I do feel like I feel a little bit different. I feel like I'm more alert and more aware during the day. Uh, during the mornings, especially, I feel like I get a little bit more work done. Uh, I feel like I'm not like scavenging for food all day because <laughs> I think so this is another thing as ultra runners. I think the more you get into this sport uh, and, this, and this goes for triathlon, uh, any type of endurance sports. But I think the more you get into something like this, the more you see food as like almost just like it's just, it doesn't matter. Like you can eat as much as you want because you're going to burn it off. I think at least that's been my experience. And some of the people that I've talked to, it just, you know, it's just like eat as much as you want, whenever you want, uh, because you're going to, you know, you're going to go run for two hours, you know, here real soon, or you have like a six hour bike ride, uh, coming up on Saturday. So eat whatever you want, you know? Um, but that's all good when you're like 21 years old and um, during the season. But then as soon as you get out of season and once you start getting a little older, 
that doesn't hold up as well and it just doesn't work um you're you're just eating crap uh so obviously got to eat a little bit healthier but um I don't know. I think as, you know, so as ultra runners, endurance athletes, I think we have a pretty, you know, I just, I want to speak generally. Like, I think we generally, a lot of us struggle with probably like an unhealthy eating habit. And I know for me, and this is going to sound like probably crazy. Maybe some of you guys identify with this, but I feel like when you're training so much and you're doing these races, sometimes when I'm eating like lunch or dinner, I like feel like I'm at an aid station and I just need to shovel food in my mouth as fast as I can. Uh, and that's not a good thing. Um, I don't know why, but every time, like every time I race for weeks after, sometimes it lasts longer, but I just have this really, like really bad, uh, habit of when I, you know, start to eat, it's just like, you got to eat as much as you can, as fast as you can. And I don't know what it is. It's like survival mode. Like I feel like I'm at an aid station. I feel like I'm in a race. I don't know what it is. Um, But it's just your relationship with food changes when you're an endurance athlete. Um, So this 16-18 fasting has been helping um, kind of curb that just constant eating mentality. And just, I don't know, like I feel a little bit better. Uh, you know, I want to give it another couple weeks, maybe a couple months, see how it goes. Uh, it'll be really interesting running in the mornings. Uh, so far during this experiment, I've been sick for a whole week, so I really didn't run during this past week. And then the other two weeks have been so cold that I really haven't been running in the mornings. Um, but as soon as it starts to warm up a little bit and I get over this sickness, Uh, I'll be running in the mornings a lot more and it'll be really interesting doing these fasted runs and then not eating anything right after. And, um, you know, I know there's, there's going to be some people listening to this that are like this, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, why would you not eat anything before you run and then not eat anything after, Uh, don't you need gels? Don't you need this? Don't you need that? Don't you need 20 grams of protein as soon as you're done? Like things like, uh, yeah, sure. But this is just an experiment. So I'm just testing something out. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that this is a healthy thing to do. I don't even know. I don't know if it is a good thing. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to crash and burn, you know, after another couple of weeks. I don't know. It's just an experiment. I'm just trying this. So, you know, don't hate me. <laughs> um, but I will let you guys know how it goes. Um, I think, I don't know. We'll see. You know, I think, so there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a case to be made that you need calories after you, uh, do some sort of effort, like a a run or a bike ride or swim or something. There's, there's definite science that backs up that you need to replenish your glycogen. Uh, you need to, uh, kickstart that repair process. Um, but at the same time, uh, that goes mostly for the way I understand it, that goes mostly for, um, like when you're doing these hard, uh, like zone three, zone four efforts, when you're really getting close to that lactate threshold, like when you deplete your glycogen, uh, and 
if you're doing a run, you know, at six in the morning and you're running like zone two or zone one, like nine minutes a mile, cause you're trying not to kill yourself cause it's dark and you've got a headlamp. Um, it's probably not as important to replenish all that stuff because I guarantee you, you're not, you're not depleting your glycogen in an hour of running like bases zone two zone one. <clears throat> and like, it takes almost an hour going at zone three to really get into those, uh, that red line where you're depleting your glycogen. Um, in my experience and from the books I've read, but, uh, you know, a workout like that hour, hour and a half of zone two, like you still got plenty of, you still got plenty of everything your body needs when you're done with it. So continuing a fast, I just, it's not as important. And from my experience, it's not, you know, it doesn't throw you off. Um, after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, like I said, maybe I will have a different view on it. But right now, um, that's what I know about the science. That's how I that's how I've experienced my body reacting. Um, but I'll let you guys know how it goes. Once it warms up, I'm going to start running in the morning a lot more. Probably all my weekly runs will be in the morning so I can spend more time with the family at night. Uh, that's one thing that I'm really not the last three years, really two or three years. Um, I'm just, that's one thing where I'm not happy about myself where I've let my, uh, running and triathlon get in the way of, uh, too much family time in my opinion. Um, I know it's different for everybody, but I just, a lot of my weekly runs ended up being kind of right after work. And so they would, you know, push into that kind of dinner time and, uh, things like that. And it was just, it wasn't great. So that's something that I'm definitely trying to change. I'm trying to do most of my runs in the morning and, uh, see how that goes. It's really, I'm really sad because one of my favorite things is running, uh, within the sun, just like with the sun on your back, uh, you know, just sweating like crazy. That's one of my favorite things. Um, but that's not going to happen as much at five o'clock in the morning. Probably won't ever happen at five o'clock in the morning here in Indiana. Yeah. So, um, moving on, those are the, those are the two changes that I made recently, removing salt from my, removing added salt, removing salt that I add at the table <laughs> to my diet and 16, eight fasting. If any of you guys have experience with those two things, like removing, uh, salt from your diet or 16, 18, 16, eight fasting, or any type of fasting, let me know. Um, moving on, a couple a couple uh, companies that I've been doing some cool stuff with. Uh, this company, Survival Wipes, reached out to me and sent me some uh, of their product to review. So the other, so the thing about this is that they sent me the stuff and they wanted people to end up end up going to their website. Uh, so what they did is they created this competition. Uh, you can go to their website and vote for me if you want to. Um, I'll put the link down below. Um, there's a prize if I win anything. Um, I'll tell you guys about it. You'll know. And I'll invest it back into like something for 
on YouTube or this podcast or something. But I'll invest it back into um, doing this kind of stuff. So that'd be cool if you are in a place where you can take three seconds and click on a link in the description of this podcast. That'd be fun. Go for it. Another company that I uh, started doing some uh, fun stuff with is this company called Unived Sports out of India. And I think I've talked about this on the last podcast, but they sent me some stuff. No, I talked about it in a video. They sent me some stuff and they said, no strings attached. Uh, Try it out, use it, review it if you like it. And um, I have to say, like, it's really, it's really good stuff. Um, I'm under no obligation to say anything and definitely under no obligation to say anything positive. Um, But they sent me some like electrolyte mix, some gels, some recovery mix, some, they call it ultra butter, which is basically like a nut butter and then some salt tabs. I've used almost everything. Like I haven't used the salt tabs yet because it hasn't been hot enough to really warrant uh, that. <laughs> like I just talked about trying to remove salt from my diet. So I'm not going to be like uh, taking some salt pills when it's zero degrees outside. I'll wait for when it gets super hot for that. But I have used a lot of the gels and uh, the recovery mix. I've used the electrolyte mix, and it's all awesome. Like, the gels are not like anything I've ever had before. Um, They're really good, uh, but they're pretty mild taste. But they're also, they're much, uh, it's a much, it's like a thinner liquid. And... uh, like nothing like a goo or even like a what are those huma gels uh, those are the two gels that i really have used the most in the past and goos i mean they're they're like the you know they're like the standard uh it's i mean you know what you're getting when you get a goo uh, but uh they're just some of them are so incredibly sweet and really thick too like the gel is just thick and sometimes it's really hard to eat sometimes it's like the last thing you want to eat when you're like deep into an ultra Uh, and so yeah both races both hundreds that i've done grindstone and run rabbit run i quit taking gels like probably halfway to two-thirds of the way through the race because it was just kind of i just they were they seemed nasty i didn't want them just too thick like i knew that i wouldn't be able to like get it down especially when you're running uh it's really hard to eat a gel when you're running like in the act of running uh gels are hard but these univid gels uh are really different and they go down a lot easier uh they'll actually like if you tear off the top and turn it upside down like it'll actually the gel will drain out like pretty quickly like a goo will also, but it'll take like 10 minutes for it to drain out or longer. Uh, this, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Like it just kind of like, you know, uh, goes down easy. Um, the electrolyte mix. So I've been using Tailwind for years, probably, probably six or seven years. And that's what I'm used to. That's like, the standard for me Uh, i started using it a long time ago because it was a more mild the makeup of it was just it's a lot it's a lot 
in my opinion, a lot better product than Gatorade or anything like that. Uh, Powerade, no, it's a lot better product than those. But this stuff is, this Univet Electrolyte Mix is even more mild than Tailwind, which is interesting because I got a couple comments recently about people saying that they thought Tailwind was too sweet. And I know, I know exactly what that's like because also in both of my hundreds, halfway through, I didn't want any Tailwind uh, because it was way too sweet. So I just switched to only water. Basically, both of my hundreds, like halfway through, I've switched to only water and aid station food uh, halfway to two-thirds of the way through the race, which is not something that I've ever gone into a race wanting to do. It wasn't ever a... Uh, it wasn't ever my strategy, but it's just something that I kind of had to do because my stomach just didn't want gels or tailwind anymore. Like it just, it was just too sweet. I didn't want to eat it. I wanted real food and water. Uh, but this, these new products that I'm using are very interesting because I think that I might be able to use them longer into races. And uh, the recovery mix is just awesome. Like I've had tons of protein powders and actually this is probably like i don't think i've ever talked about this on my podcast or youtube it's probably nowhere on the internet because i've taken all the facebook pictures down too but years ago like we're talking 10 to 12 years ago uh i was into bodybuilding and i did one competition so it wasn't like I was like really into it, but you know, I got the the Arnold Schwarzenegger book, uh, was all into all of that stuff. Like really, I knew my stuff. I knew all the guys that were doing it back then, uh, all the pros and did a competition, did the whole thing. Uh, but so I know a lot about these protein mixes and I've had tubs and tons of like tons of this stuff, uh, tons of these tubs and just, you know, they're all like, they all get nasty after a while. Um, but so I was really afraid, honestly, to try this, uh, protein mix, but I tried it and it's plant based and, uh, you can tell, and it's got like a little bit more of an earthy taste to it. And really, it's really good. Like it really mixes up really well. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. I kind of look forward to it coming back to it after runs now um but like i said if i'm doing these fasted runs in the morning i won't be using it uh but in the evening or on weekends or something like that um, i use it and it's great it really it like feels a lot better you feel a lot better after you take one and then the other thing so the ultra butter i tried that once and it was really good too uh i didn't notice anything like crazy different than uh, any other types of nut butters that I've had. It was just, it was good. It was in a pack. I had like a screw top, pull it out, squeeze it, eat it, go for your run. The more I talk to, uh, the owner and the more, uh, I've used their products. Like I just really, I really like this company. I really like their products. Uh, and I hope to continue uh, my relationship with them. It's, uh, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. You should check them out. Definitely. So the next thing I'm going to talk about, uh, I put it a little bit later in the podcast because hopefully if you've made it this far, uh, you have 
you know who I am. You've been with me for a while. We have a history. You're not just going to come out and send me some hate mail um, when I give my opinions. Actually, I'm going to try not to give opinions so much, but I'm just going to try and explain what's happening from my perspective. Um, there's been a couple controversies, uh, one with each of the races that I went out to Colorado for this year, Run Rapper Run and Leadville. Uh, and the one with the one with Leadville, it's just whatever. Like it's, I'll talk about that in a second. But the one with Run Rapper Run just felt really, um, how do I say this? Like I just felt, I felt really bad. And I, when I, when I heard about all this and then especially like when I saw all the reactions of people that people were having online, like I just felt, felt really nasty. Uh, and so backstory, run rabbit run is a freaking hard race. Okay. It's a lot of it is at altitude. I would say 30 to almost 40 miles is probably at 10,000 feet or above, no, not 40. Definitely, definitely 30. But uh, about 30 miles is at 10,000 feet or above. It's a lot of it's pretty rocky terrain. It's it's out there. It's not, you know, it's not a beginner course. Uh, like I've said before, it's not marked uh, for someone that's never done a trail race. You have to know what you're doing. It's a hard race. There's a 36-hour cutoff for uh, the tortoises, which is what they call anybody that's just uh, signed up for the race and you're not pro. Uh, That's the only race I know that does tortoises and hares. But it's just like it's just like in triathlon where you have age groups. It's just and you're an age grouper or you're a pro. Uh, In this race, ow, almost knocked over the microphone. Uh, in this race, you are either a tortoise or a hare. It, so it's weird, right? Yeah. Okay. The race is a little quirky. Um, the guys that run it, the team that runs it, they're just, they're all a little quirky. Uh, but when you get to know them a little bit and I'm not going to claim that I know these people, but I stood and talked to both of them. Uh, actually there's, so from what I know about it, there's, um, uh, there's a couple people and I talked to a couple of them during my time out there and all really great people. Uh, just, you know, really nice, super down to earth, uh, just kind of fun people. Uh, seem like they really, really care about the runners. Uh, I mean, yeah, they did something that <laughs> ruffled people's feathers recently. Uh, they decided, you know what, as they were looking at their stats, people finishing the race this past year, it was like a 51 or 52% finisher rate, which is sort of typical for races like that. Um, but it's definitely on the low side and they were looking at the finishers and I guess they had a couple, uh, women reach out to them and say, you know, it'd be nice if women could start a little bit earlier. Um, at least this is the story they're telling. And they already have, uh, if you're over 65 years old, you can start an hour early. Um, and so I guess what happened was a couple women reached out to them and said, it'd be nice if women could start an hour early. Like you could just give us the option. 
so I guess they thought about it and they decided to go ahead and put out a press release on Facebook, which was not much of any sort of, it was not well thought out. I will say that it was written poorly, just not a great, not a great professional piece of writing. (laughs) I'll just, I'll say that. Uh, and they just got torn apart um, by the masses on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere. Um, people, it was, people were nasty. Like, I'll say that. Like, there were some people that were, like, like writing some pretty horrible stuff back to them. Uh, how could you be so sexist? Um, how could you claim that... Um, you know, women are not as good as men, things like that. And it was just, it, it really spiraled out of control. Um, and I'm not going to get political here. I'm not going to take sides on this. I just kind of want to f- explain what happened from my perspective. Um, I did see a screenshot that someone posted. They were having, uh, I guess it was a Facebook or maybe Instagram discussion, uh, DMs back and forth with somebody uh, the actual account run rabbit run, I believe it. Yeah. It's on Instagram, this screenshot. Uh, and there was a response and it just said, I'm the 27 year old daughter that helps put on this race. This post had no malintentions, but I will agree that the person that posted it can be tone deaf and ignorant. I'm truly hurt by what he posted, but, uh, I hold this race very dear. I would appreciate your forgiveness and understanding. We will be issuing an apology soon. So, Obviously, there was not any communication uh, with everybody that helps put on this race before this decision was made, before this post was made, and it just came across as really um, uh, inconsiderate, uh, like she said, tone deaf, and it was just really unfortunate because from what I know about these people, from my uh, short conversations that I had with them, Um, They really, what they care most about this race is the runners. And that was evident in the post that they posted next, which was, unfortunately, it took them almost 20 hours to reverse their decision. But they basically just decided that they're not going to, they're reversing it. They're not going to let women start an hour early anymore. Um, Their intentions was to help more people finish it. And I think when race directors start going down that route that down that road i think it's a mistake i think that okay i guess i will i will say this about my opinions i think that everyone should be treated equally i don't think that whether you're a man or a woman you should start earlier or later when it starts getting weird is when you say that but then you also say that but you know what i'm okay with Boston qualifying times, men times being different than women's times. I'm okay with Olympic qualifications. I'm okay with all that. Now that, and that's when it starts getting a little weird and you start to say, okay, well, like in Boston qualifying, like, is this a men's race and then a women's race or is this everyone together? And that's where I think that ultra running has always been everyone together. Uh, road running has always been the men are racing the men and the women are racing the women. They don't have, there's no stats at the Boston Marathon that I know of 
that says she was the first woman, but she was fourth overall or whatever. Road running just doesn't keep track of things like that. Uh, for some reason, ultra running has, uh, and they've really com- they've really kind of set themselves up, in my opinion, for debates like this. Because there's always, uh, you know, Camille Heron finished first woman and she was fourth overall, uh, or uh, this these huge these huge deals when um, someone like Courtney DeWalter beats everybody, and it's like, you know, uh, it's just it's a weird place that ultra running has kind of gotten themselves into, and I think they kind of almost ultra running as a whole kind of teed themselves up for we teed ourselves up for a situation like this which is really sad um, because you don't ever see this stuff anymore in road running because like there's a women's race and there's a men's race olympics it's women are racing the women men are racing the men there is no talk about this and so had they said had it been differently had for the last 20 years ultra running been in that same uh, headspace, would this have been that as big of a deal to say, you know, we're letting women start an hour earlier? You know, they could have said, we're starting the whole women's race an hour earlier. Um, I don't know what would have happened then. You know, it's just this this place that we're in right now with ultra running is just kind of fascinating. Um, again, I'm not defending the owners uh, any further than... I believe that they had people's best intentions uh, at heart. I believe they wanted more people to finish this race. Uh, you know, but then it started getting really weird when they started thinking about how and then when they decided how they could have more people finish this race. Uh, one of the things they said was that with the course change this year, a lot of people dropped out at halfway. And I can attest to that. I was there. <laughs> Uh, I was sitting um, at the halfway aid station where on a piece of paper, it's supposed to be 52 miles, but on your watch, you're looking at like 56, 57 miles, and you're looking at the times that you have to get to the next aid station. And there was, there was probably when I was just, when I was in there, there was probably 30 or 40 people, maybe more that were dropping. I had this kind of like, it like dawned on me that that's what was happening uh, when I was there with my pacer Matt because we're just like sitting there hanging out eating you know we'd only been there for like five or ten minutes but like I was like man this is a nice place uh, you know we're inside like we're just up in the mountains it's freezing cold uh, come back here and I'm just having a good time like I switched my shoes I was eating drinking hanging out sitting and then it dawned on me that oh my gosh all these people are dropping. I got to get out of here. Like, I'm going to get stuck here if I, you know, just take my cues from everybody else who's just like hanging out and having a good time, laying down in sleeping bags. And I don't know why it took me five, 10 minutes to realize it, but that's how long it took me. So I can attest that there were a lot of people that dropped at halfway. Um, I don't know the breakdown, men, women, but they said that that's where a lot more women dropped than men it was at the halfway point. There was also another aid station farther down the road that a lot of, they say a lot of people, uh, especially women dropped out at. I don't know. Um, like I said, they, 
Run Rabbit Run is a weird race to where they don't uh, they basically just delete you if you don't finish. <laughs> like on Ultra Sign Up, uh, if you go on there and you get a DNF uh, or you get a do not start, most of the time that's recorded forever and you can't do anything about that. Uh, if you do Run Rabbit Run and you get a DNF there, it's just, it's deleted. Like it's as if you never signed up for the race, which is kind of weird because then you can't go back and look at any stats of the breakdowns of finishers versus non-finishers. You just have to kind of take their word for it on their website when you go and look and see that they say 51% finished. And there is no, there's no way of seeing, I mean, unless you had like screenshots of the starter list and then you compare it to the finisher list and somebody out there probably does. But all said, that's, the situation that happened. There was a massive amount of people that dropped out at halfway because the long of because of the long course. And they say that there was a higher percentage of women dropping than they had hoped for. And then also after the race, at least a couple women requested the ability to start early. And so instead of giving two or three people uh, a head start. Um, they decided to open it up for anybody because they thought maybe other women would like this too. I'm not saying that's a good idea, but that's what happened. Uh, looking back on it, they probably should have just, if you contact them and say, hey, can I start early? They probably should have just done that on a case-by-case basis and not publicized it. Um, I don't know. You know, they already do it for 65 and up. Like, they make a big thing out of it, too. Like, it's like a big ceremony, sending them all off. Uh, it's like, well, what do they think about that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, if you think about that, too, like, maybe they have something to say. Maybe they don't want to start early. They don't have to. They just get the option. And that's the same thing they were doing here. Um, I don't think it was a good idea. I think it was. I think it was tone deaf. I think it was they didn't think it out. But it was this really kind of fascinating, like social experiment that happened uh, right in front of us all. It's just unfortunate that, in my case, it had to happen to a race that I really love, um, a race that I'm really connected to um, in a lot of ways. It just sucks that it happened. Um, but they've gone back and they've said, forget it. It was like it never happened. 65 and up can start at 7 o'clock. Everyone else starts at 8. <laughs> so the, the the final thing I'll say about this Run Rabbit Run thing is, what were they going to do about Hard Rock qualifiers? Like, or Western States qualifiers? Like, the way you qualify to enter the lottery for Western States or Hard Rock is to finish Run Rabbit Run within the time limit. So any women that has started an hour early, are they just going to say no, you're not eligible for that? Or are you going to say, are they going to say, yeah, you're fine. As long as you finish the race, you can, you're still good to apply for the lottery for Hard Rock or Western States. I don't know. That was never discussed, but there was tons of questions, tons of people asking that question online. At the end of the day, I think they didn't think about what they were doing. It wasn't very well planned out. It was written hastily. And I think honestly, 
I'm sad that so much hate came out of this community because of this. Um, it's just sad. Sad that it happened. So the next controversy I want to talk about is about the race, uh, another race out in Colorado, the Leadville 100. And this one is more funny than anything to me. Uh, it has to do with a company running an ultramarathon who really doesn't have a freaking clue about ultramarathons. Um, this is Lifetime. Uh, they decided that they were going to add like a VIP aid station. And you could pay an extra 500 bucks and be allowed to get into this aid station. And you're going to hit it twice at like mile 30 and like mile 65 or something like that. But the internet blew up about this too. Uh, well, the first thing they blew up about was that Jim Walmsley didn't get in. And oops, sorry, we didn't realize that he had applied. And they want pros to be there. Like it's a high profile race. Like they are cherry picking these pros to be there in a lot of ways because they've got pro slots and he didn't get in like he was just in the regular lottery and then he didn't make it <laughs> and he posted the screenshot of the email they sent him and it was just like straight up like he was just another entrant into the race they didn't realize that he put his name in the lottery and they didn't pick him <laughs> so he's like fine i'll go do something else and go win that race uh they could have got so much media so much press uh, by having Jim Walmsley there, but they just really dropped the ball. Next thing they did was what I was saying earlier about adding this aid station, which said is going to have heat. It's going to have like better food or something. And you can pay, oh, and oh yeah, you can pay $500 if you want to get in. If it gets somebody to do a hundred mile race that has never done a hundred mile race before, but is really scared because there's a lot of, things that they're not sure about and having this VIP aid station that they'll be able to hit twice. If that is the thing that gets them over the threshold and gets them to do this race, fine. It's good. I think if that's the case, if they get somebody, if they get one person to do this race that wouldn't have before, then fine. It's worth it. But they're making themselves look dumb. They're making themselves look like, honestly, like Iron Man. Like Iron Man has these VIP tents, but that's just been accepted because Iron Man has a really different crowd. And it's, um, you have to spend a lot of money to do Iron Man. So, it, and it doesn't have the like minimalist feel that ultra running has, um, which ultra running is slowly getting away from that anyway, just for all the gear that people are using now, myself included. Iron Man has never been minimalist. They've always been about um, the more gear, the better gear you have, the faster you're going to race. And in a lot of cases, that's true. Like your bike, if you spend $10,000 on your bike, it is actually going to be faster. Science will prove that this is a faster bike than the one you bought for $500 down at your local bike shop. There's no disputing that. Uh, same thing with shoes. Like when you run on our roads, there are shoes that are going to be faster than others. There are triathlon suits that are going to be faster than others. There are wetsuits that are going to be faster than others. Uh, there are skin suits that are going to be faster than others. Your cap, your goggles, like everything, like shaving your arms, shaving your legs. Like there are so many ways that you can make yourself faster in a triathlon by spending money or by doing extra things. In ultra running, 
is quite a bit different. There are not a lot of things that you can do that you can buy your way into just being faster. Sure, if you're wearing shoes that are six ounces versus 12 ounces, there's going to be some difference there, but a lot of that's going to get chewed up in the terrain. Uh, it's such a long course that sometimes like those six ounces will add up after over time, but they're not going to be the thing that breaks your back. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like in triathlon where, you know, those six ounce shoes, they're going to actually make you run, you know, like two minutes faster probably than the 12 ounce shoes. And that really realistically could be the difference between you going to Kona and not. Uh, Ultra running, it's just not really that way. Um, There are some things, there are are better packs that you can buy, there are better poles that you can buy, uh, better shoes. But for the most part, running hundreds, it still has to do with you physically getting your body over these mountains from the start to the finish line. Gear is not really going to buy you a whole lot of time as it is in triathlon. So because of that, I believe these two sports just have a, they attract really different people. Uh, Triathlon attracts, you know, for the most part, people that are into that kind of stuff. Um, some people would say more people that are more privileged, people that have more money. Um, sure, like that's statistically, that's probably accurate. Uh, so having VIP tents and oh yeah, you're gonna you're paying eight hundred dollars to get into this Ironman. What's an extra two hundred? All that kind of stuff like can like really help you, uh, especially if they're not waiting in line. <laughs> like the day before your race, imagine waiting in line for two hours holding your bike, like on the side of a road, waiting to check in. Uh, sometimes that money can be worth it. I mean, if you can just walk right up and check in, and that actually could make you faster because you're not going to be as tired. But anyway, people in ultra running kind of freaked out when Leadville decided to add this VIP tent that you could pay 500 bucks to get into, and all of a sudden, since you're rich, you have a better options and everyone else and you have these advantages and then people start talking about oh how you can't you can't handle the cold this is not ultra running anymore like this is uh pampering people and this is not what the sport is about and sure like all of that stuff is true but at the end of the day it's in my opinion it's a company making company decisions that don't really like they're not like yeah they're out of touch with ultra running but this is their race and if you don't want to do it, don't do it. And then it's kind of like if I did Leadville this year, like, no, I wouldn't pay for the VIP tent, but I also wouldn't care because I'm not, I'm not worried that the person that is getting into that VIP tent is having, has an advantage over me because it's not a race where I'm racing other people. It's a race where I'm just trying to finish, or maybe I'm trying to finish in a certain time, but it's really a race about just me. So it wouldn't worry me. Do I want to see this stuff happening at all races? No, not really. Talking about the point I had earlier about if it gets one more person to do a hundred miler that wasn't going to do a hundred miler because of things they were afraid of, I think it's worth it. I think more people should get into this sport. Uh, I think people's lives would be better if they were involved in ultra running. And maybe this is just the thing that, is going to take someone off the couch or, you know, off the track and into the mountains. I don't know. It's just kind of funny to me. It's like when people freak out when Starbucks does something and they change something. It's like, okay, whatever. They're a company. They're making company decisions. 
did it really affect you that much? Maybe, but probably not. Unless you try to get into this tent and they kick you out and then you might feel bad or something. I don't know. A lot of people were saying a lot of hate for Leadville about how terrible it is now and how corporate it is. And I don't know. Like, I just want to like kind of defend the race a little bit just from being there and experiencing it all. And sure, they have an expo outside uh, when you go to check in, but everybody has expos. A lot of the big ones do. I mean, they have a, they have an event where they bring you all into a gym and they sit there. And there wasn't one time where I thought that this was really corporate. I did not. It did not feel like a company was running this. It just felt like it was really big and it was a bigger event. And it is because there's almost 800 people that run this race. Uh, it's a big event, and so the speeches that they were making, the settings that it were that it was in, the video that they showed at the beginning, like it just it felt normal, honestly. Like for the size that it was, it didn't feel like it was over the top corporate. It didn't feel as bad as people were saying. Uh, you know, the people running all the aid stations were awesome. Uh, you could tell that they kind of knew about ultra running. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a good race. I don't think it's as bad as people uh, make it out to be on the internet. I think you got to be really careful when you start reading comments and when you spend a lot of time on social media when something's going on. That can be said about anything, any type of news or anything that's going on. I think you just got to be careful about um, absorbing too much of that because 90% of what's going to be out there is negative. And a lot of times if you feel something positive or slightly positive, you don't really feel like posting it on the internet. But if you feel something negative, the first thing you want to do is post to Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook. So you got to be careful when something's going on like that. It, sometimes it's best to just stay off social media. Just like get the headlines and move on. <laughs> um, well, that's all I'll say about those two things. And honestly, that's a lot more that I planned on talking about. Honestly, Run Rabbit Run, Leadville, these are two really great races. I think they both made some missteps in one way or another. <laughs> but I think they're things that people can move on from and forgive and forget. Yeah, I have a couple other notes here about stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, this kind of goes along with social media, what we were just talking about. But um, I just wanted to encourage people to kind of just uh, not listen to... Uh, comments on social media. One of my favorite uh, YouTubers, his name is Daniel James. He's a composer. Uh, and, you know, I've been following him since he was not really making any money off composing, where he was just doing it for fun. And then he started getting really good at it. Uh, and he composes music for video games mostly, but he's done some film work as well. Uh, well, I guess just the other day he posted something on Twitter that said that he was deleting all of his YouTube videos and all of his social media accounts because he couldn't take it anymore. And he was basically uh, having a moment where he just felt like none of it was worth it anymore. And it was really, really sad because uh, he had been getting so much um, basically like hateful comments and he's like, he's incredible. He's amazing. Uh, he posts a lot of stuff that's not, um, how do I say? Like, it's not really like 
polished. It's really just like kind of like straight up. Like he'll just he'll post like a two hour stream of him writing uh, or him composing a song, and it's just it's really really cool like to see some of that kind of stuff. In, in my opinion, like he'll show himself in the studio. He'll show himself like going and getting uh, his music recorded by an orchestra. He's a very, very talented guy, really lets you be a fly on the wall, and just really honest, genuine, but he had been getting so much like hateful stuff that he was about ready to delete, or about ready to delete everything that he had put on the internet, and it just, it got me thinking that it was just like, you know, like, sometimes you just have to put the blinders on, and you just have to not listen to the negative stuff as hard as that is i just really think that's important and that's going to be really important for us all moving forward as this world and our culture continues to become more and more online based uh, i don't think we need to refuse that i think that it's um, i think there's a lot of really good things that have come with social media and most of the world being much more on the internet i think there's a lot of good things about that i think there's a lot of bad things as well and i think we just need to be careful about getting too invested in negative feedback. There's another person that I follow that has just decided that they're not going to be responding to any comments. They're not even going to be reading them because, because the negative ones affect them too much. And it's just, that's really sad too, because now they're cutting themselves off from people that care about them and they're not going to be answering questions and they're not going to be engaging in their community and i think that's just that's really sad when people get to that point i don't i mean there's nothing like i'm not judging people it's just it's sad that that happens um and i just wish it didn't have to and so i think one thing that we can learn from some of this is just to try as hard as you can not to um, take some of that stuff too seriously. Um, and then also to just be positive to people and continue, um, like if you like something, just tell that person online that you liked it. Also something awesome that's happening really soon is that Billy Yang's new film is releasing, uh, his film all about Dave Mackey, um, his whole backstory, what's going on with him now and then culminating in Leadman doing the hundred mile bike race, hundred mile run out in Leadville, Colorado. Um, just so excited for that. So excited. Uh, if you've watched the preview, you probably are too. If you haven't seen the preview, you should go check it out now. Um, ultra was a big sponsor on there. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Another update, uh, just recently completely switched my camera setup. Um, for the last couple of years I've been using, uh, well, I started with a GoPro hero five and a Sony, a 6,500 and the GoPro hero five was great. I've taken it on hundreds of miles of running, uh, tons of videos. Um, but I just recently upgraded to the hero seven black and it's awesome. It's seriously a game changer. Like with the Hero 5, I was using a gimbal and uh, to hold the GoPro so that it could stay steady. And that was like 
really great quality like two years ago. Uh, it really helped me get a lot of good video. Uh, really, honestly, I think it helped um, people accept running videos on this channel more. Uh, I don't, I think that it, I don't think I would have grown as much, uh, if I hadn't have had this gimbal, but the hero seven black completely, uh, gets rid of the need for having a gimbal because it is the way the camera stabilizes itself internally is almost as good. And like, I cannot, I seriously, when I still, when I watch this video back, I cannot believe how smooth it is. And I really was not expecting it to be this good. I just, but it is. I mean, it's solid. It's a really, really good camera. If you need a stabilized GoPro type action camera, it's awesome. Uh, the DJI Osmo uh, actually returned because I used it a couple times. And though it also is a good camera, it's just not. It it's, wasn't going to work for running, especially not the last couple weeks where it's been all snowy and wet and um, raining and just... Yeah, it wouldn't have worked as well. Plus, with the Hero 7 Black, uh, the fact that it is so smooth and stabilized, you know, it just, that's where it's at right now. So that's what I'm using. And then also, I uh, had for a little bit, I had the Sony A7 II. Uh, I had gotten that on that amazing, like, 50% off sale that was going on nationwide on that camera used it for a little bit liked it a lot but ultimately decided that but during this time i also sold my a6500 so sold everything moved on to a7 II in the hero 7 black and then decided to get rid of the sony a7 II and just just bite the bullet and upgrade to the a7 III which is a beast of a camera like it's amazing full frame uh 4k does 120p per second uh 120 frames per second 120p uh beast of a camera uh really really great camera got a good lens for it tamron 20 28 to 70 and yeah i've been really loving that camera setup, the, the two cameras that I have now, uh, just really, really good setup. So I would recommend both of those if you guys are interested in getting a camera. I think, you know, a lot of people see, um, you know, a price jump or like a like the sticker shock of a camera might just be too much. And so they'll end up getting uh, a cheaper camera and it just, it doesn't work as well. It doesn't perform. It doesn't look right. And it might, it might discourage somebody and it might, uh, just kind of stop them from really exploring what they could do with a camera. So honestly, I think cameras from my perspective, it's a good investment to get a good one, to get the next level up, uh, to get something that you know is good that is going to do what you need it to do or want it to do. Um, yeah, it's an investment in cameras. You can always sell for really good money. Like my a6500, I bought it on sale with a lens for 1400 bucks, like two years ago. 
and I just recently sold, I used the crap out of it. Like there were no scratches or anything. Like I take really good stuff of my, I take really good care of my stuff, but I just sold that combo for, uh, 1250. So I use it. I use that combo for almost two years and basically paid like a rental fee of 150 bucks, which is just insane. I mean, cameras hold their value. Uh, if you get, I mean, if you get a decent one, like it's going to hold its value. Lenses hold their value. Just take care of your stuff and you can sell it for really good money. Um, but yeah, that's my advice. Uh, if you're looking at getting a camera, look at the Hero 7 Black. Look at the Sony A7 III. Great, great cameras. So I say I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, I don't know uh, if anybody's still listening. Thanks. Uh, if you are, I want to know who you are. Like, thank you so much for listening this long. Um, I'm so happy that. I'm getting over this cold. I didn't even really talk about that, but you can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, I've had a cold for over a week and it kind of grounded me and I did not do any running for five days. And it was just, it was a really bad one. Like it just made me feel like crap for a whole week. And um, so I'm just getting out of that. I've ran three days in a row. And uh, of course now it's, uh, you know, there's a half foot of snow on the ground. It's zero degrees, the wind chill, and all that. Um, but I'm so happy to be healthy again and to start getting out there and crushing it a little bit more. Because, man, it did not feel good to just sit on my butt for a week. It was it was pretty painful. It was torture. <laughs> but I'm going to back out there. Not sick anymore. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is just, like I said, a little solo update. Talk to you guys about some changes I've made recently. Uh, some controversies that have been going on about races that I'm really connected to and invested in. Um, yeah. And just a few updates, a few random updates. So thank you for listening. Um, that's going to be all for now. I'll hopefully be back in about a week or so with another podcast. Maybe. Um, that's the goal is to roughly do about one a week or so. But if two weeks go by, I'm not going to beat myself up. So that's another one of the things about this year. I'm trying not to beat myself up about things like um, uh, just, you know, small things. Like if I set out like on a Saturday, I want to I do a video and I want to do a podcast today. And then I only do one of them. I'm just trying to be nice to myself and uh, just be kind to myself and not beat myself up about things like that. So if I make another one uh, in a week, it'll be right here and you can come back and listen to it. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'm I'm ready for this. I'm ready for winter to be over already. I'm ready for it to be hot. I'm ready to start sweating. I'm ready to get out there and not have to wear 20 articles of clothing to go for a run and then do all that laundry afterwards. I'm ready for that heat, but unfortunately, I know I've got like two more months of this winter. So that's it. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.